And it's the John and James show this week on Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome to Better Buddies, episode 225. Um, RJ, unfortunately, is feeling ill this evening, so James and I are taking over the show. Hello, James. Hi, John. It's like the scene from Gremlins 2, where the Gremlins take over the stock market, or the scene from Gremlins 1, where they take over the town. (laughs) Where the Gremlins take over the stock market. (laughs) Yeah, where the Gremlins take over the stock market. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gremlins and Gremlins 2, Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Perfect. Yeah, we uh, we fed RJ after midnight, and it, it didn't work out well. It did not work out well. He didn't turn into a gremlin. He died. We did not know he was allergic <laughs> to fish. It was yeah. bad. But he'll hopefully be back next week. So Yes, we you know... We know we know a guy who owns like a, it's like a pet cemetery deal. We're just going to chuck him in there, and we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll come back. Be right as rain, three days. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to go all that. That's a cemetery. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Cool. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Um, for our better buddies icebreaker this week, if you could start a charity, what would it be for? Hmm. Hmm. I um I've had ideas of this for like scholarships, but not necessarily so, charities. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that counts, but I I've been kicking around the idea of starting like a a band kid scholarship, and could maybe transition that into like a charity level thing. You know. No, that's um, that's uh, so. How would you, uh, how, how do you think it would be like structured, I guess? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> quite know, but um, just like, I don't know, a couple monetary awards every year for a school or something for kids to go to college. Um, I don't know, maybe like four or $500 slots. I mean, dollar amount could be played with. If I were to do it, that's maybe what I would start with and then see how that goes. Um, I remember having to just like, you know, apply, write thank you letters, stuff like that. So probably run of the mill scholarship business. Yeah. And that's um obviously it's like <laughs> that's one of the places where kids don't get like a whole lot of scholarships from. I guess unless you don't unless you go to one of those like performing arts schools and then maybe they have like some stuff for it. But uh I, there was wasn't there one band scholarship at our school wasn't there something like that i thought we I... definitely had an award i don't remember yeah. if there was like money attached to it i don't think there was um but yeah i think there was a scholarship it might have been shared between uh like choir orchestra and band but mm. you know support your future artists especially in the wake of the looming ai apocalypse yeah oh my gosh dude oh my gosh what do you did you did you see the so did you see the sora video stuff then yeah um i haven't read too much into it i actually just heard about it on friday i think 
but that's impressive tech, but also uh, mutually scary at the same time. I know. I know. It's... Um, for those yeah. who don't know, before you get into it, Sora is uh, mm-hmm. Open OpenAI's new text-to-video, um, I guess, AI tool, um, whatever you call it. So you can enter a prompt of text, and then it will spit out up to a minute currently of uh, a video for whatever your prompt was. So they had a couple examples on their site, like a woman walking downtown Japan, um, some kind of astronaut thing. A Minecraft video, like uh, honestly, <laughs> some of the stuff looked pretty realistic uh, for being such an early iteration of the technology. Yeah, it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's um, I'm always like really torn on this kind of stuff. Um, I would like to say actually before we get into this, uh, RJ said he wanted to do an English uh, student charity. I would do um I would do theater. I, I that was something that I realized when I was uh when I was going to our school, like after the scholarships, like um I I would do I would want to do like a theater um scholarship for for kids because I really liked that that part of my my high school career. Um and I thought that was uh the the some of those kids deserved like a lot more recognition. Um can't be too much because you know, you don't, don't want to feed those. Too yeah, you yeah. don't want to feed those egos <laughs> even more. But uh, they definitely deserve something. Um, but with the AI stuff, like I don't know how you feel. I, I'm I'm torn sometimes because I'm like, I think that it is a really powerful tool that could be really cool in the hands of artists. Like I I think like in a way. It, there's a good chance it's going to unlock some really cool stuff for creatives. Um, and I do think that a lot of AI generated material um, is actually going to have an inverse effect where a good art made by a real person is going to become like a premium. It's going to, it's, it's going to go at a premium. So if you're like good at what you do, it might almost make you more attractive to uh, patrons, basically. But obviously, there's the flip side where it could just wipe stuff out. I mean, what do you what do you think? NFTs are coming back around. Don't oh, know, <laughs> just physical NFT. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. We're back. Uh, We're back to the Renaissance patronage uh, days for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, it might be a renaissance of physical art now that you mention that, because you can't AI generate a painting. I mean, you you can and you can print it out, but like, it can't paint with watercolor on an actual canvas yet. Mm-hmm. Boston Dynamics, yes. I'm sure Boston Dynamics is on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's our, we have two divisions, our military division and our art school division. (laughs) Well, you know what happened last time? Someone couldn't get into art school. Uh, So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, that's, hey, you know what? I couldn't get into art school. So what does that tell you about me? Hmm. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Anyway, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's just change topics off that. Um, yeah. 
Let's switch a little gear right there. Yeah. Switch in. Uh, well, because you, like, obviously, you're, you work in programming. So is there, like, you know, because that's something I've heard is, like, that's, you know, there there's, like, concern in, you know, among programmers. It's like, oh, is this going to, like, uh, you know, kind of replace us? Like, is, do you feel that? Do you think that's even, like, feasible? Like, what do you think? Yeah, there, there definitely is a lot of panic about that right now. Um, it's kind of a weird time to be in the software industry, especially with like all the layoffs at the huge companies like Amazon, Google, um, all the video game companies. So I think AI is part of that. Um, I think this field is also kind of just overinflated as it is and overvalued. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's that's tech fads for you. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not immediately concerned about developers being replaced. I think it might become less attractive as a field, like salaries might go down on average as more parts of our jobs can be automated, but I don't think people will be fully replaced for a while, if ever. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it might shrink the job pool <clears throat> for sure. Just like it will for yeah. writers and artists and any other information I, trade. I just don't see the feasibility in replacing a lot of people wholesale, unless they really do just want to shift everyone to like a UBI, which does not seem like, um, doesn't really seem like it would be most people's cup of tea, de- depending, I guess. Like, I don't want to speak too out of turn, but I, like, I, I think we're looking at like a I think I think your assessment is kind of accurate where it's like a reduction of the size of fields but it's it's not like people aren't going to get totally wiped out cuz I I think it's just going to reach like a point where it's like <clears throat> you know they want to automate like website creation and stuff like that but the issue is is like if you just eventually turn the internet into a bunch of computers like talking to each other like I guess I mean, what are, what are people going like what investments are people going to have in it if everything on there is like artificial you know like i don't mm-hmm. the, won't it then just become like a network of ais and like you know what's the value of that then i guess um you know? i mean i would say we're probably halfway there with how a lot of things are automated anyway but mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that that's a good question. Have you um let me google this so I'm not speaking out of turn, but there was mm-hmm. something I saw the other day that's the dead internet theory. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's what I feel like you were describing there. Um for anybody who doesn't know, it's the uh, conspiracy theory that the internet consists mainly of bot activity and automatically generated content uh versus like actual humans talking to each other. Um I don't know if there's like any numbers out there. Um, the date given for this death is around 2016 or 2017. Sounds like Cambridge Analytica days, probably. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, I can't believe that was almost 10 years ago. Um, Isn't that nuts? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it does. I, I think this question looks a lot different. Um based on whether AI remains a tool or um, if it becomes something more like AGI, 
automated general intelligence where it it kind of achieves human level um capabilities yeah it's i <clears throat> i that's a i think that's definitely fair and yet another good distinction because i think like you know the the thing is is people are looking at stuff like chat gpt or dolly or stuff like that and the problem with a lot of these models is like they technically technically they have memory in the sense that they have like vast repositories of data that they pull from and are able to sort of like use to generate and iterate responses. But the problem is, is that like, at least with the models that you're using on your end, like they don't have memory from time to time. So like you can generate like, you know, you can load contextual prompts for chat GPT bots and it will, they will use that as like a more specific table to pull data from, but from conversation to conversation, you have to consistently remind them like of certain parameters and how to do stuff. And that might just be because like, for me, I'm not like a very good prompt creator. So maybe that, that could easily just be my, my own shortcoming, but like, there is an issue where they will say like they do kind of reboot every time you load them up and um, it's very difficult to get them to like behave a certain way. They always start to deviate a little bit. And and again, maybe that's my prompt stuff, but I, I just yeah. think it's interesting because it's like what these things need is like long-term memory. They need the ability to access it, to reference like specific points and to they need the ability to choose what they remember and why while still working in parameters that allow them to like perform their job so um yeah yeah i, I mean from my perspective i think a lot of that currently is a design decision like i, mm -hmm. I think it definitely could have longer term memory but just as the product it is um it would be too like resource intensive to do that for everybody mm -hmm. um, all the time. So might as well just start with a blank, blank slate every session. The uh, mid-session losing memory is, yeah, maybe a problem that needs to be solved yet. But do, yeah. you, uh, do you use them ever? Do you ever use like a, uh, even just like an AI from your company or like um, anything like that? I actually have not even once even filled out like really? a chat GPT prompt. Um, which makes me feel pretty behind the times. <laughs> it's but. it's interesting. I mean, like if you play around with it just for like um, a day or two, I think you, I think you would especially get the hang of it. Like, mm -hmm. the, um, yeah, it's fun. Like you can you can get them to do like a lot, and um, they are pretty useful when it comes to like rote activity. That is the thing too, especially with like websites. Is like that like websites are mainly you know a lot of people don't realize this but websites are like 90 95 percent um just designed Next. for the algorithm like oh, yeah. yeah they're not they're not like um like every piece of text that you see on a website if it's designed well is like designed to try and catch like Algorithm, like algorithmic attention because when you think about it most people when they visit a website you're not visiting every page like you're not you're you usually 
you know, if, if, you know, if you think of like, if you're looking for like a plumber near you for some reason, like an emergency's happened, chances are you're going to type in plumber, insert your location and you're going to scroll and you're going to try and find like whatever comes up. You might not even go to the website. You might just call their number um, if you're really desperate, but like very rarely do people stray out of like a certain funnel where it's like, you know, they come onto a, a website for like a service-based company and then, you know, look around. So each page is designed to get as much attention, but that means like a lot of material on it is just sort of like when you're writing it by hand, it's very repetitive and it's very rote. Um, so I do see where like people are going to get like, you know, people are definitely going to get replaced like doing that. Like eventually it's going to be, <clears throat> instead of like legions of copywriters, it'll probably just be like teams of people who are working with like AI who also are able to like write and design um, who can use it to sort of like tweak. Um, I just don't know. Cause like, I, I know that it sounds outdated to say like, Oh, like, there's no way they could fully automate that because it's like I'm sure that people, you know, on Ford's assembly line circa 1913 were like, there's no way that, you know, best job ever. Like, it's going to, it's always going to be this way. But obviously that wasn't the case. And like, you know, um, I'm sure that there are places where cars are made by hand um, and they're probably very expensive um, and they're only sold to like, you know, high profile people. But um, I don't know. I, 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 the reason I would say, like, I hesitate at some of the calls of like, oh, you know, everything's going to be automated is like, um, like, I, I would think that, you know, people pay money for stuff that they find is valuable. And if something is valuable, it usually means it connects with you in some way. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I see a lot of AI generated art, I kind of like immediately disconnect. Like, I don't. It doesn't make me feel anything, at least not yet. Um, so the idea of like the internet just slowly becoming like uh, a place that is visibly like obviously just totally AI generated. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how that's going to work, like connecting with people because you need people to have some kind of investment in it. They don't feel like there's anything there for them. They won't be there. So um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's a long spiel, but um, yeah, it's just been on my mind. Maybe it'll push everybody offline. Yeah, Start I mean, new it, internet, no AI allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> actually, that's a that's a fascinating idea. Like, there could just be large portions of the internet that become automated, but that could just push people to learn, like web development skills like in the same way that some people are like learning how to build like log cabins so they don't have to live in a city like some people might just learn how to make like little websites and there may be like fringe communities that pop up you know small networks of little homemade sites i actually i found one recently i'm gonna send it to you after uh i think you'd find it interesting it's like a collection of developers who've just made their own <laughs> forum for sharing these websites that they've made it's really cool oh, um I mean, yeah yeah i um that's an interesting thought because it um especially equating it to people who like build love cabins because a lot of this stuff will probably become just like craftsman's craftsmanship based um mm -hmm. you know how like how people become hobbyist blacksmiths 
stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, where they'll just custom make their own stuff for the joy of making it when you could have this industrialized version of um, doing the same thing via AI assistant tools. Um, so like, yeah, you could generate, click a button, put in a prompt to generate a website, or you could build it by hand. Or you could order a knife on Amazon versus forging your own. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's... um. That's it's kind of a it's honestly it might honestly be good for people like it might make things like a little rocky initially, but I think it's going to push it's going to push a lot of people in maybe a healthy direction. Um, uh, yeah, I and it yeah, it could. Sorry, not to cut you off. Um, no, no, it could, but also like it's not going to happen in a vacuum. Like we're gonna have uh, cascading effects in in society and the economy. Like it's going to displace a lot of people, a lot of jobs. Uh, so uh, my biggest fear is I just don't know what the future looks like with these things, especially because they keep changing. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think that's fair. I think it's it's difficult too because um, yeah, there doesn't seem to be an efficient like that question keeps coming up, right? Like, well, what are we going to do with people who are out of work? Like what is going to happen? And there just seems to be sort of like a, a mutual, like it's like no one says anything. I haven't seen any like answers to that question. Like it doesn't seem, seem, they seem kind of avoidant about it. And I just don't know that doesn't like bode well. Cause I don't think that's something like, you know, you don't want like millions of people dropping out of the workforce all at once. Um, Cause obviously it wrecks the economy. And uh, like, I think people are already kind of a little touchy as it is for obvious reasons right now. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think like um, mass unemployment is really going to be a super popular or like ideal move if you want to maintain social cohesion moving forward in the next decade like it's don't foresee that really boating well so i don't know maybe they're planning to like resurrect manufacturing or construction like i have no clue um but yeah i i don't know i i do think like i, I there's a part of me that's very cynical about it and it's like how many marketing firms do we actually need <laughs> You know what I mean? Like how, how many, how much of this is actually fully fundamentally necessary and how much of it is really just because like we need to keep people busy because basically we have a massive population and like thanks to the loss of manufacturing, there is no, there is no other place for people to go other than maybe the trades or more likely uh, a, a service position, you know? So, and that's like easy to say for, you know, someone who hasn't like, you know, I'm sure if I experienced a layoff, obviously my, my position would be different. So I'm not trying to be too callous here, but I do think that's like a good question. Um, and it might not even come down to whether or not you're valuable. Like it might just be like, it could just be you get caught in like a cascade. Like that's 
super possible. So I guess you're right. That that it is a little nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just feels like the systems we have today can't support it, and this country yeah. is not really going to do anything like universal basic income anytime soon. No, I'm, I'm honestly, what I'm hoping is like, I hope what it does is redirects people's attentions to their localities and their regionalities. And it like encourages a reinvestment in like the place where you already are. Like we may see the collapse of, you know, national firms, um, and it's like other things of the like, and that may push people possibly to like find work closer to home if possible, or at least to like look at reinvesting in where, in where they are. And maybe that can stimulate stuff in local economies. It can add jobs to, um, you know, smaller towns. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know what you could do but people are going to need something to keep them busy. So there's going to have to be something um, if we're looking at stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So if I could start a charity, it would be for people displaced by AI. <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back around. Nice. Full circle. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see what the future holds. Um, hopefully yeah. it's not doom and gloom. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm I'm fatally optimistic. All right. You want to move on to media? Let's do it, my man. All right. So we've come to our segment for where we share a media recommendation for this week. Would you like to go first or would you like me to? Uh why don't you go first, my friend? All right. Um, yeah, so my recommendation this week, um, James and I are going to go visit our friend Calvin in a couple of weeks. He's uh, currently off in Japan. I think that's known, right? Um, yeah. If not, RJ, edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm, this doesn't really work if we edit it out, but whatever. Um, but as yeah. a result, I've been learning to read Japanese. Um, James and I have discussed this, but I would like to recommend the uh, Tofugu website. Um, they have guides for learning both hiragana and katakana, the uh, two writing systems of Japan. And, uh, well, not two, there's kanji as well, sorry. Um, <laughs> but they also have a really good quiz um, that helps you test it. So um, it's just been a treat to go through this site and learn on that path makes you feel smart reinforces your learning um would definitely recommend for anyone looking to do the same thing so did you say are there like videos is it like charts like what is it again um there are videos and they have a book too with like worksheets in it but honestly i just went through their web pages um and basically they present the 46 kana to you I, I feel like I'm getting so many facts wrong. <laughs> but uh, they present all the kana to you. They present a mnemonic for each one. Like, this one has a letter A in it. This one looks like an eel. Um, this one looks like a mosquito. Or this one looks like a key. And then you just go through that. Um, you start out five at a time. And it's like, okay, drill those five. Then you do the next five, but you drill the original five alongside them. Then you do the next five, but also the original ten. So, like, as you go, you just constantly reinforce 
the ones you've learned so far. Um, and yeah, I just found it to be a very effective method. So it's uh, it 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 helps it it builds on itself. It gradually sort of like moves forward. That is, yeah. I mean, that is pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like something um, so different. Like they're uh, from an outsider's perspective, a lot of these characters have similar sounds, but are visually not similar at all. <laughs> um, so like yeah. there there's nothing to quite related to English outside of these mnemonics. Um, the yeah, it just ended up being a good way to learn for me. Because basically you're just memorizing symbols, which we did for the English alphabet growing up, but that was a long time ago for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a trip. I, I took Japanese for a semester and when I was in college, so I'll have to refresh. Um, it's really, it's really fascinating, like, just um, learning an entirely new alphabet is a very different experience um i'm impressed that you're doing it like on your own like i it was hard doing it was was hard enough like doing it when i had like people who are actually native speakers like teaching me but on your own like that's a a pretty impressive like task to surmount yeah it's i mean the website makes it honestly not too bad and i've been able to go at my own pace which i think has really helped um can just grab like five ten minutes here or there over lunch or before bed learn a couple things and then just get it down um i feel like if i were forced to sit there for an hour and try to drill this into my head it would have not gone so well <laughs> yeah so i could understand that but yeah sure. um how about you what you got this week so my recommendation is Bob's Burgers, um, which I, for some reason, I avoided this show for quite some time. And I finally, uh, I took a break. I was watching Mad Men. I took a break to watch Rick and Morty, which I watched all the way through for the first time. And then I went back to Mad Men. And I was like, oh, I'm still in the mood for like, um, for you know like a comedy uh like an animated comedy and i was like well i haven't watched bob's burgers and i know that that's one that people talk about so i showed it i I watched it and i am absolutely in love um (laughs) for anyone who doesn't know I, i really am i'm like head over heels like uh Anyone who doesn't know, Bob's Burgers is an animated uh, family sitcom on uh, on the Fox Network. Um, mm-hmm. It's been around since I think 2011, uh, and it follows um, the Belcher family: Bob, uh, Bob Belcher, uh, Linda, his wife, um, and their three children, uh, Ina. Gene and Louise, and um, this family runs a uh, burger restaurant, which they also live above, in an unnamed um, kind of uh, East Coast seaside town. Mm-hmm. Um, and this show has um, 
uh, a girl that I work with uh, is a pretty big fan of it. And she sings his praises quite a bit. And I used to kind of roll my eyes about it because I was like, yeah, I've heard about it, but it seems kind of basic. But after I started watching it, I was talking with her and she said something I, I that has stuck with me. And she was like, it like it proves like you don't really need crude humor. Like you don't need to make comedy that punches down at anyone. Like you don't really need um you don't really like need like swears or anything like that. Like you can just be funny. And uh, sometimes when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> but I, watching this show, it's absolutely right. Like I usually, when you go into like a sitcom, especially an animated sitcom, you expect some kind of like crass humor and you expect like, you know, crude stuff. And you, even in a traditional sitcom, you expect the dynamic of like, you know, the slobby husband and the, the put together wife who's like rolling her eyes and the kids who are kind of like, you know, making fun of everyone and blah, blah, blah. And like Bob's burgers has little bits of that, but not really like Bob is kind of like occasionally like a down on his luck, um, constantly behind on his rent, you know, cook. Uh, but his relationship with his wife is very warm and supportive. Um, his kids are a little like, erratic uh and a little chaotic but there's like a real sense of like love and family connection uh the stories that they get involved in there's nothing like too crass or gross about them they might be a little sort of like um sometimes a little uh maybe maybe like a little gross but like nothing that you wouldn't see you know that you wouldn't almost expect like a kind of a typical um you know American family to occasionally get into um, the show overall just has this wonderfully warm tone. Um, the voice acting is excellent. It is insane. <laughs> um, so wonderful. Uh, you can tell they, the voice actors all record in the same room together and you can tell because they play off of each other uh, very well. Like it's very typical in the show for in multiple scenes, like, um, characters will have dialogue and then near the end of a scene, they'll just kind of start talking. Um, and it's actually very well done. I, I very rarely, I, I don't think I've ever like rolled my eyes and been like, okay, like I, it doesn't <laughs> ever feel like it goes on for too long. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, just like a really fun show. Like one, one last thing about it, it's like, there's something about it to me that just screams like 2010s. Like it's a very, it feels like a very 2013 show in like the best way possible. And like one of the things I would say about it is that Bob's Burgers feels like an 80s show that takes place now. It feels like a, an immediate classic that when you look back on it like 20 years from now, you can accurately point to that and be like, yeah, that was like the typical American family. That was kind of the experience. Um, and you don't really find that even in live action, much less in animation. So uh, really, really, really sincerely good show. I highly recommend, like if you're looking for something that is just a warm, fun, genuine show with a good heart, um, Please check out Bob's Burgers. It's, I would say it's a must watch.
That is a glowing recommendation. I uh, think I need to check it out now. I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you would like it, John. I think I think um I think some of the humor is like right up your alley. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll go watch an episode tonight. Go for it, my man. Go for uh, it. I think my favorite fact about this show is that H. John Benjamin, the uh voice actor for Bob, is also the voice actor for Archer. Dude, it is so weird hearing him because that's that's what I'm most familiar with. Like I I watched Archer when I was you know like in high school. Like that's when I first found it, and like to hear him act as Bob because it's ba- it's obviously it's like the same voice, but it's just like his inflection is totally different. Like it is really truly a different character. Like so 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 good, dude. So good. I love I love him. <laughs> I would, I, I like, I would love to meet him. Um, yeah. Are you a fan of Archer, or like you've seen it, or? Um, I've only seen a few episodes. I haven't seen much. Mm-hmm. Funny, <laughs> just haven't committed to it yet. No, that's fair. I I think Archer's Archer's worth it for like the first five-ish seasons i think the first two it kind of has a rick and morty thing like the first two seasons of archer are like genuinely awesome and then it kind of slowly starts to get a little self-indulgent so yeah somebody stands up on a table screams about szechuan sauce and ruins it for everybody yeah what the hell guy come (laughs) on maybe i don't want to be associated with that show anymore Come on. <laughs> I made the mistake of going on the Rick and Morty subreddit, like as I was making my way through season seven, which I was not a fan of. There were seven seasons um, now. Whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I think I stopped after four. <laughs> that's for, no, that's honestly good on you. Cause like I will say again, Rick and Morty, um, brilliant television for the first two seasons. And then right at the end of the second season is when it starts to take a dip. And the third season is decent, but then after that, it's just like it's it gets a little too into itself. And people like I I kind of um I went to the Rick and Morty subreddit and I like posted about that i guess uh-oh i I was probably a little i was yeah it was not good they were not happy i got like 50 60 comments like i got downvoted in oblivion like like i i do think and i know that this isn't always said with like certain intentions but i it it made me loathe with like a white hot little fucking ingot of of hate in my gut it made me hate um the phrase just let people enjoy things like i i was like if i have to read that one more time on this on this common chain i'm gonna put my fist through a computer and strangle a redditor i will kill somebody um but i understand like sometimes that phrase holds up but having to see it so many times on the same common thread, I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill somebody." This is my Patrick Bateman moment. This is, <laughs> I'm gonna have to call my lawyer tonight when I'm sobbing 
somebody's apartment and tell them about all the people I've killed <laughs> because it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a balance there. Like you should be able to criticize something in the hopes to uh, make it better. Yeah. But, I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Huey Lewis in the news. Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis in the news. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you saw that, uh, that, that movie? movie? Um, yeah. I think I watched it sometime in the fall for the first time. Oh, dude, me. Are you serious? Yeah. No way. What did you think? What did you think of it? It was weird. It was not at all what I expected. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. So, what were you expecting, and then what did you get? You know. Well, I knew about the like the business card scene at least, um, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh my god, it's embossed. Look at the black letter. (laughs) Um. So, because that's been parodied to death. Um. So, I don't know. I honestly don't remember my thoughts at the time, but it was like, okay, he's going through this. Yeah, he's just killing people. Nobody cares. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the scenes where he like brings in the prostitute and his friend and then starts killing them was very weird. Like that part of the movie was just weird. But yeah, killing Paul Allen was fun, just off the wall. <laughs> Is that a raincoat? Yeah. (laughs) At the end where it's like, Bateman, that guy's a loser. He couldn't do that. Yeah. Everybody thought it was still Paul Allen. Yeah, that ending is that ending is like amazing. I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be like a very basic film kid and say, uh, did you ever did you notice at all that uh in um in the in the last shot where he's like sitting down behind him over the door behind him there's a sign that says this is not an exit as he's giving his like monologue it's uh no it's, it's wonderful <laughs> it's great the that movie like um that's one of the movies that sometimes I'll for some reason it's like that movie Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a oh Time in Hollywood. Oh boy! Um, I know, right? And The Big Short. <laughs> okay. That I will like, I'll like pop like an edible or two. I can say that because I'm in New York and uh, legal, legal. And I don't know why, but they're just like so fun to watch. I watched The Big Short after taking like um, a couple edibles last Friday. I just like. I just love that movie because it's basically like most of the movie is just people running around on like cell phones. Like the numbers are too high. Like it's all going to go to fucking shit. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, the numbers are too high. <laughs> no. The numbers. And Steve Carell's like, sell all the numbers. And I'm like, sell the numbers, Steve. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds like quite the better experience to be honest. It's so awesome. It's like, it's great. I, I actually... The Big Short is like not objectively, it's like not that well made of a movie. Like it's kind of all over the place, but like there are some moments where it genuinely it's like very fun. Um and uh 
yeah i kind of wish more movies were made like it like they made the wolf of wall street but i want like more movies that just focus on like the people who are like doing the trading and like actually doing that because i think it's actually like a very interesting environment and uh like less focused on their lifestyle more just on like their job is like what i really like um but have you seen that that movie or no a long time ago like probably like 2019 if ever um i need to watch it again yeah it ain't ain't too bad i think i've seen the wolf of wall street bar recently um what do you think of that what do you think of that one Mm, (laughs) kind of the same thing i feel well i don't remember it that well um i was gonna say kind of the same thing i feel about pulp fiction where it's just bad people doing bad things for a long movie duration but (laughs) i know pulp fiction's so awesome though john you and i have to watch pulp fiction sometime and i can i can sit down and mansplain it to you while i manspread on the couch it'll be great it'll be like a (laughs) a seminar um i think so I before the podcast, I told RJ that um, this would either be a normal podcast or it would be you and me discussing Pulp Fiction for two hours. Are you serious? Um, <laughs> because I I had I watched it for the first time um, on Monday. No way. Um, because we discussed it for Movie Club at work today. Um, and to be quite frank, I I did not like it at all. Oh, <laughs> I oh, was... John. I could see redeeming moments in it, but I was very bored. Yeah, like tell me, <laughs> tell me about that. Um, well, like I said, it's just bad people doing bad things for two and a half hours. Um, I did like how it uh, told the story with different, like little vignettes that mm-hmm. form a cohesive whole over time. You just have to move them around to be chronologically in order. Um, my favorite scene was probably when uh, Butch thinks he's scot-free after killing Vinny. Spoilers for Pulp Fiction if you've never seen it. Um, <laughs> and he just runs into Barcellus in the crosswalk. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's that's the scene that like my dad quote like every time Pulp Fiction comes up like that's the scene he almost quotes like <laughs> the very first one. <laughs> yeah. he loves he loves that one too yeah it's just so it's ironic so motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> but other than that like the whole date between mia wallace and vincent is kind of like what is happening um that dancing scene who <laughs> oh um i don't know how they won first place i'll just leave it at that it's the it's the it's the conversation, John. It's the subtext of their dance, you know. It's uh-huh. uh, I no, I I can totally understand because like I I have seen that movie probably like ten or eleven times. Um, it's a very like I think it's very much like a it's very like inside baseball for like film people, which is like dumb to say because it's it's not even like if you talk to someone who's actually really super into film like going on and on about pulp fiction is sort of like you, it kind of makes you seem like a dilettante i guess like, you know, like a faux pas. yeah sort of it's it's kind of like okay yeah like he did some like really cool stuff but 
you know, there's more cinema than just like, like if you're end, if you're, if the end cap of your like cinema knowledge is like Tarantino, it's kind of seen as like, you're kind of like an amateur. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. So you liked, you liked the <laughs> Marcellus Wallace, like that bit. Um, Marcellus, great character. Everybody else. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Butch, except for the like spousal abuse section. That was not. Uh, yeah, where he goes, he gets not a little nuts. So, yeah, Fabian also yeah. okay character. I like her. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because usually most people fucking hate her. Most people like hate her whole monologue. Like they. It took me forever to figure out that the metaphor was pregnancy. Like I, what? it shouldn't right. have taken me that long. Like, like she's talking about like how she wants to oh, have like the pot belly thing. Yeah, gotcha. pot belly, and I was like, "What is this? What is this little eleven-year-old boy talking about? <laughs> like, what is <laughs> what is Will from Stranger Things going on about? Like, I don't understand." <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I clocked that either, but that makes sense. But that's the thing too is like I I will say I I for pulp fiction like I do my my hot take is like the first hour of the movie is basically the best part um after that like Butch's story is fun I think for the first for the first part of it um and then like the last quote unquote story where they're just picking up like the car like and getting it cleaned is like it's inter- it's interesting but it's not there's nothing really like super Engaging special going on in there it, yeah. yeah um there's no like i think what's missing from that one is like there's no action in it like there's the other two have some kind of uh something going on um that's interesting because I think the parts you don't like were the parts I did like. Really? So did you like the last that last story then? I liked Wolf um, coaching through mm-hmm. it. I was like, "Come on, Vince!" When he's like, "Hey, you're gonna say please?" Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, you are <laughs> so in deep right now. Just take the out. Good lord! <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, it was nothing special. I liked how he got along with Jimmy and they're just like pushing around these two gangsters. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh they get to throw on those are like supposedly those are um the shirts that they wear after they get hosed down or like Tarantino's uh personal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is this is what I will say. When you're watching like a Tarantino movie, and I think like Pulp Fiction is maybe his best example of this, like this is what what makes it kind of cool for me is like he is like novelistic some would say auteur auteuristic about his movies uh where he um what a word right (laughs) it just it's so many much like a tarantino movie many layers um so but he's very attentive to detail and that includes his casting choices. And like just a short example, 
Um, I'm so sorry. Like I literally wrote like an essay on this, like for fun. It wasn't even for school. Like I wrote this like after I went out of school and I was like talking about Pulp Fiction. And this was before I went like totally insane in the North Woods. So I don't even have like mania to really, um, to really like brush this off on. But um, basically like my theory is that he kind of, uh, when he casts his like movies, especially Pulp Fiction, he's again, he's very attentive. So like Harvey Keitel, who plays Mr. Wolf was at that time, like kind of a, an older actor, obviously. And he's very well known as like a mentor figure and all that. So it makes sense that he would be cast as like this guy who, you know, he's also been in like gangster movies and he's been around in the industry. So it makes sense that he would play this like almost movie star type figure who comes in and just through like he's literally he's like so good he's able to bend time basically like he's just yeah. that cool um 30 minutes away I, i'll be there in 10 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly and like ob- like more obvious castings are like tarantino is like jimmy like he's you know the coffee it this is being me being very like film kid about it but you know, when he's talking about the coffee, like he's talking about how he doesn't just, he doesn't do something half-assed. He doesn't just get store-bought shit. He gets like the gourmet shit. He's making something good for you. He's not going to give you just something that's like instant coffee. When he makes something, it's going to be good. So like, oh, again, oh. yeah, we're getting like little hints at like a conversation here. And like, you know, with um, the date between like Mia Wallace and like uh, Vincent, it's just a really interesting dynamic because if you think about where John Travolta was in his like career, you know, this was a guy who uh, had had a, a really big uh, couple hits like in the late seventies with Saturday Night Fever and Grease. Um, and then he goes for almost a decade where he's like in shows and stuff, but his career is kind of on a slump famously. And then Pulp Fiction is his reintroduction to, um, his reintroduction to mainstream audiences. He's the first listed cast member. He's the first person that's listed, um, in the actors and actresses, uh, like in the title, in the opening credits. Um, and, uh, like, What's really interesting is obviously, you know, he's known for Saturday Night Fever, which is a dancing movie. And he's also known for Grease, which is a movie that was made in the 70s, but it was a throwback to 50s musicals. But Grease is also very famous because it was kind of like a simultaneously an homage and almost a parody of like 50s musical movies. Um, And like, where do uh, uh, Vincent and Mia go for their date? Mia takes Vincent to a place that not only is a dance hall, but it's like a, it's like a fifties throwback restaurant. And Vincent for a while, when he's introduced to the restaurant, he walks around like he's like visiting an old home. He walks around like it's like somewhere he's been before. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also clearly knowledgeable about like old movies and actors and actresses because he kind of corrects like, Mia when she uh, says like someone is Marilyn Monroe and he's like, no, that's actually this other actress. Uh, I think it's maybe Van Dorn. And it's just like a really interesting dynamic because like Tarantino 
knowingly he he incorporates the backstories and the histories and the personas of his actors into their characters and the story so he's like kind of almost telling a story w- literally with real people um like for moments they become real um and like the the interaction between like Vincent and Mia is just like interesting because it's a it's a push and pull like he's very clearly nervous because he doesn't want to um you know like get in bad with his boss right but at the yeah. same time she's charming to some capacity right like a little <laughs> a little bit right like she's she's charming she's clearly like a little dangerous um and she's also like uh, unpredictable. And one of the hints we get, um, that Vince is kind of like starting to relax a little bit is we see, um, you know, Mia gets up to go to the bathroom to powder her nose after her and Vince have been talking for a while and she leaves, uh, and Vince watches her go. And then we get another cut. The, the, the film, cuts to something else that's happening in the restaurant which is the marilyn monroe actress um who is recreating a scene from a movie called the seven-year itch where she's like pushing down her you know the white dress over the grate and that's like one of the most suggestive icons of 20th century like pop culture and it's telling us like if we're following basic film grammar that like that vince is starting to maybe think in a way that like he wasn't expecting to about Mia on the date. And it's kind of like in a way, a tragic romance. Cause we know that they're not going to end up with each other, like uh, having seen the movie. Um, but like in a way he's like this guy who's kind of old, uh, out of touch, out of time. And maybe he needs someone who's like a little bit sort of, you know, can inject a little bit of like electricity into his life. Like, remind him who he is a little bit, why he does what he does. And then she needs someone who's like older, but not domineering someone who's like cool. Someone who's like just someone who is like, kind of like Vince, who is kind Vince is kind of almost like just an older version of a teenage boy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's my, that's my abbreviated, believe it or not, uh, analysis partially of, uh, of Pulp Fiction. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. And like, I, I fully accept like, like, um, people come at things with like different perspectives and like, I am just like, uh, obsessive to an unhealthy degree about this movie. So, um, I totally get it, but I do think there are things that are going on in the film that are very like interesting and very cool. And, uh, I just like to point them out if I, if I have the chance. So I apologize for, for going on that no thank you like i think the main reason i had a problem with it is i came to it without context 30 years after it was made so Mm. i uh don't get to appreciate all these metaphors without being guided through them necessarily that's uh, and that one that's the thing though is like that's why i say it's like inside baseball because like you're like no no one's expecting you to like you know that's a lot of fucking context, you know, like you need a brochure of some things like to get, 
to get what's going on in like a Tarantino movie. Um, and like, had I not, for instance, like had my dad like sitting there with me one of the first times, like when I watched it, like I, I like I would have been like, yeah, I don't, I don't really. I would have thought it was cool, probably, but I wouldn't have. Uh, I and I didn't pick up on stuff, but yeah. So I don't know. It was a movie. I I was also advised that if I watched it again, I would probably appreciate it more. Which yeah, probably. Yeah, it's it's one of those where you can let sit for a bit. Trust me, like you do not, you don't want to rewatch it too close together. Like oh. I've made that mistake before. It's it's a very um, it stays with you for a while in whatever way you take it and like i think when you go back to it you'll be you'll know like you'll be ready um but i'll just don't worry i'll write you up a brochure it'll be uh it'll be very very educational um we'll we'll add that to the patreon too james's guide to watching pulp fiction yes i will yes if we hit if we (laughs) hit ten thousand dollars on the patreon this is a this is an official James Kukon pledge. If we hit ten thousand dollars on our Patreon, I will write a Pulp Fiction brochure, but only if we hit that amount of money. So right. mark this, timestamp it. Yeah, hold him to his word, people. Hold me to my word, please. Somebody just hold me. <laughs> or just hold him in general. Yeah, yeah just hold me in general. Yeah. It's the next Patreon tier. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Yeah, just hold James. <laughs> hold James. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, you think we should wrap up? Yeah, I'm I'm good to I'm good to go if you are. You got any any last lingering thoughts? Um No, just get well soon, RJ. Hope you feel better for next week. Yeah. It will soon, RJ. All right. Um, well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. Uh, I'm going to do the outro in RJ's stead. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for the use of their song Living in the Moment off their album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and the brand new YouTube RJ has been making shorts lately um cutting out clips and also posting full episodes um we're also on social media facebook x formerly known as twitter um and gmail on facebook you can find us at better buddies on twitter slash x you can find us at at butter (laughs) butter buddies uh i gotta (laughs) do it everyone's gotta do it once um at better budcast we should make a fan account (laughs) it's just like butter buddies yes Um, (laughs) and our gmail account is betterbuddiescast at gmail.com you can send us fan art hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war icebreakers you want us to answer questions you need advice on or story ideas you want us to flesh out and believe you me we can talk about those for quite a while Um, and last but not least be a better buddy And have fun. Bye. 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 So now we just chat for two hours. 
see, um, is he gone? We can then trash we the start the now. podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, anything we say here is candidate for the post-credit scene. Yes, perfect. Everything we say, my whole life is a post-credit scene. <laughs> uh,